I watched a tennis match shortly after I graduated from high school with a bunch of old guys. They were like in their 50s. <laughs> I was kind of surprised by their interest. They, they, you know, they never wanted to hear about you know, my tennis adventures. I played every day back then. And they never watched any of my games. They didn't have any interest at all. But this was a special match. The Battle of the Sexes. I don't know if you're old enough, you can remember it. Bobby Riggs, who had enjoyed a number one ranking in men's tennis, challenged Billie Jean King, the number one women's player, to a match. This match was on international television. That was a big deal back in the 70s. Over 50 million viewers in the U.S. alone, they estimate over 90 million people watched this tennis match. To this day, that's the largest U.S. audience for a tennis match ever, by the way. To this day, there were 30,472 people in the Astrodome who roared when their two champions were carried out like ancient heroes. She was in a litter on the shoulders of muscle-bound men and he was pulled in a rickshaw by athletic beauties. I should mention why the old guys with no previous tennis interest were so fixated on this match. Bobby Riggs had won his first national championship 30 years earlier. <laughs> this wasn't about men versus women. It was going to prove that even old men are better than women. That was <laughs> that's what they were hoping for. I thought it was stupid then, and I still do. But <laughs> But what I remember most vividly was the caustic criticism of a particularly militant female commentator. She was specifically chosen to add some fireworks to the broadcast. You see, Bobby had to take a break. He actually had to stop the game for quite a while because he started to get muscle cramps in, in our celebrated female pundit. She came unglued. He's just grandstanding. He's trying to put Billy Jean off her game. He's cheating. She was screaming. And I wondered, why was she so antagonistic? Even when one of the male commentators pointed out with admirable gentleness that Riggs was past the half-century mark and badly out of shape, uh, she just couldn't let it go. Why was she so intensely antagonistic? Let's make this harder. Two people come to an altar promising to love, honor, and cherish till death do us part. In front of their friends and their family, in front of God. And a few years later, they stand nose to nose screaming at each other in anger, even becoming bitter enemies, divorce, alimony, lawsuits, in really bad cases, violence. This is such a common occurrence. About half of all marriages end in divorce. One wonders why a person would even try. Especially when you consider that the other half of all marriages, the ones that do make it, are, uh, shall we say, not a walk in the park. <laughs> it's all, you see, about trust. Who do we trust to take care of us? 
when they stand at the altar, they trust each other with their lives. And then, well, this is getting kind of serious. Let's take a little break with Tim Hawkins. This is a video he sent out last February. Watch this. I love it when I, I see new couples, man. New couples, they just get married and they have just have it figured out, you know. They have all the answers. They have this whole marriage. They know it's so easy. They're always bragging about their relationship, you know. You know, I'm talking, it's so amazing. Our marriage is so amazing. <laughs> What's so great about it? It's just so spiritual. It's like we're joined at the soul. The soul. <laughs> what do you mean? It's like we finish each other's sentences all the time. We finish each other's sentences. <laughs> I'm like, big deal. I don't care how long you've been married. You always finish each other's sentences. I've been married for 15 years. I'm like, hey, honey, can you make your own sandwich? That is weird, because that's just what I was going to do. <laughs> I'm going to see if you want me to make you one, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, what is it that makes life work? What is it that makes relationships work? What makes marriages work? What is it that makes life work? Or in some cases, not work. <laughs> okay. Why do men and women attack each other when they once vowed undying love? Where is the trust? We've been examining Paul's letter to the Ephesian believers. He's talked about how they become part of the church. We've seen how we individually, as a church and as a people, should respond to this love and grace. Now we enter the section that specifically addresses our relationships. Paul gets down and dirty. <laughs> how should relationships function? How do we deal with the hierarchies that are a reality in this world? They are. How do we as believers see Christ in our relationships? Do we see Him as the reason for and object of our relationships? Do we trust Jesus? But let's start back just a little and look at the transition to this section. Remember, Paul's preparing to hear He's preparing them to hear about relationships. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Be wise, 
Make the best use of time. Understand the will of the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit. Sing and make melody to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We talked about all of this the last time we looked at Ephesians. Well, all but that very last part. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mutual submission. This is a completely new thought. Certainly to the world this was a new thought. I mean new, (laughs) completely foreign to them. The Greeks despised humility. They just despised it. Saw it as complete weakness. And the world still doesn't really get this. But even the church struggled with this. The church struggles with this. We can be certain that what they heard was not what Paul meant. That's why he gives some specifics, some details to explain it to them. He gives them details of submission in three areas of life to three sets of people. Wives in marriage children in families, and slaves, servants, in work. At the same time, he gives the responsibilities of those in authority, husbands in marriage, parents, particularly fathers, in families, and masters or bosses at work. When we look at conflicts in the world today, battles in relationships, these are still the primary areas. The battle of the sexes, particularly in marriage, Battles between kids and parents and employee-employer relations. You know, like sometimes you wonder if unions exist for the express purpose of causing conflict. I mean, is that all they do? Uh, It feels like that, doesn't it? In fact, doesn't it feel like everything in this world is designed to pit us against each other, to cause us to fight? Actually, by the time we finish this letter, you'll find out that that's precisely the case. We're not paranoid here, it's real. But here, Paul gives three express sets of instructions. They're an overview, if you will, a framework. Today we'll look at the first pair, but many of the principles apply for all of life, so let's all pay attention and remember why. Why this is important. Because of reverence for Christ, he said. Reverence for Christ is both the reason for and the object of our interaction. It's all about our relationship with Christ. Do we trust Jesus? How we express our relationship to each other directly mirrors our relationship with Christ. In a sense, it is our relationship to Christ. So, here we go. Instructions for wives. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Let's right away set aside the most common misconception as regards this scripture. You have to submit to me. The Bible says so. (laughs) Is there a Christian wife who hasn't heard this? Let me answer this briefly. No, they don't. (laughs) They don't. Paul is calling Christian women to a task. 
This is not an instruction for the husband. He does not say, Husbands, make your wives submit. He doesn't say that. This is a task the mature Christian wife is called to do on her own. Okay? They don't have to, but they can choose to out of reverence for Christ because they trust Christ, the reason for and object of her submissive actions. May I present an obvious question? Why does God require this? <laughs> is that simple enough? Because this is what's hard for us to do. <laughs> All right, that's it. It's, this is the hard part. It's both wives towards their husbands. And all, everybody, towards any authority, submission is hard. Even submission to Christ. But submission is necessary if we are to become Christ-like. Paul said, as to the Lord... He does not mean as if the husband was the Lord. (laughs) Because of Christ and her reverence for Him, that is the reason for and the object of her life. So let's make it clear. Wives belong to Jesus Christ, not their husbands. Well, not at least not in the same way. And okay, belonging to our spouses, husband or wife, is belonging to Christ. Remember we said that relationships with bride or groom is our relationship with Christ. We'll get back to that. Submit in everything. Uh, (laughs) uh, The Spirit, ladies, is leading you to a lifestyle. He fills you so that your very nature will change. And some of you might be thinking, yeah, he's going to have to because that's not coming out of me in any natural way whatsoever. (laughs) Okay, That's okay, it's okay. Remember, Paul has just said, be filled with the Spirit. The goal is not to grit your teeth and somehow figure out how to submit to this blockhead. Okay, That's not the goal. The goal is to be filled with the Spirit who will enable you to live in submission. Because when we are filled with the Spirit, we are fully able to place our trust in Him. Submitting to your husband as unto Christ means trusting Christ to take care of you. It's not your husband who will take care of you. We all know that doesn't always work out, right? All right, let's crank it up just even a little bit more. What if the husband isn't a good head like Christ? What if he's nothing like our Savior? Back then, lots of women became believers, many of whose husbands did not. Happens all the time, even today. Peter addressed just this issue. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. One of the most horrible things is for a woman who believes to be married to one who rejects Christ. I cannot tell you how many tears that we pastors see because of this. It's very common and very sad. And yet the Spirit says, 
be subject to your own husbands be respectful live in purity some of those husbands sadly not many but some of them are made worthy of the respect and purity of their wives remember the reason and object of your reverence is Christ perhaps you may help them to find him and really we have the same question for women in that position that we have for women with a believing husband do you really trust Christ be submissive to your own husband. This is completely contrary to the world and everything the world teaches. And it's the only way to achieve joy, to have true happiness. Okay, ladies, you can relax now. Guys? <laughs> Well, you remember the Smothers Brothers comedy team? Do you guys remember? When one would make the other mad, he would start a mock fight and he would cry out, Defend thyself, knave! <laughs> Always kind of like that line. Paul's instructions to the husbands are more than twice as long as that to the wives. And they're pretty intense. Living this can sometimes feel a bit like getting hit about the head with a bat. Okay, But it is a high calling. So... Prepare to defend thyself, knave. <laughs> the instructions to the husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Note, submission and leadership are both grounded in Christ's work and love for the church. Christ's love for us. But if you guys are like me, that may be about all you got out of this. It's just, it's too long. <laughs> We're goal-oriented, you know. There's too much here, so we got to break it up. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ gave himself up for the church. And we're not just talking death here. Every young man has these visions of dying for his beloved in some glorious fashion and being immortalized forever. You know, it's the young man's thing. But the truth is, not many men are asked to die for their wives. But all Christian men are asked to live for their wives. Like Jesus lived here, we sometimes forget that he worked a J-O-B for close to 20 years. J-O-B, it's just old, boring work, in case you didn't know. And even when he was working in ministry, he dedicated his life for the church. Husbands need to live their lives for the good of their wives. No, that doesn't always mean he does what his wife wants. It doesn't, not always the case. And ladies, these are instructions to the husband. 
So don't say, don't be saying, the Bible says to him either. That's okay, let's be fair. Uh, this is his job to do. Paul said a husband's responsibility for his wife is like that of Christ for the church. So it should come as no surprise that the next thing he does talk about is what Christ's work accomplished for the church, that he might sanctify her, that means set her apart, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. This is, effectively, an example for the husband. Sanctify to set apart. Husbands need to make their wives special. Christ made that difference in our lives. I think that all Christian wives ought to live noticeably different than other women do. Not because of anything they do, but because their husbands treat them so obviously differently. A Christian bride ought to be treated so differently by her husband that she is clearly set apart. And how, men, is this accomplished? By being cleansed with the washing of the word. A believing woman who has a husband who brings her to church ought to jump up and down and shout hallelujah. Okay? <laughs> He's doing it. Well, if he brings her into the church and not just drops her off. Why is this such a big deal? Let me look around. At any church, women always outnumber men. Always. I think it's because men aren't relational, so this is hard for them. I know that the Bible says this should not be the case. Now you're here, you're listening, so you get the process. The washing that makes us splendid, separated for him, is done with the Word, the Bible, so that he... What is Christ's goal? Paul always has his eye on the goal. One day we will live in perfection, new bodies, new perfect spirits. Christ will sanctify, cleanse, and present us to the Father. So don't forget where we're headed, what Christ did for us. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Men, when we look at our wives, we need to see them as they will be, like God sees us in perfect glorified beauty, body and spirit. That's how Jesus in his love sees us, that is. You know those guys who, well, guys who tend to drive a brand new gorgeous vehicle while their wives drive the cheapest auction special? Have you, have you seen guys like that? You know, when they go out to eat, it's always where he wants to go. And when that other pleasant aspect of marriage comes up, <laughs> is it just you enjoying or are you giving your life to her? What is the object what is the reason for the love we have for our wives? He who loves his wife loves himself. On the one hand, it's true, treat your wife well and you'll be treated well. 
Dr. Andre Sims, doctorate from Dallas Theological Seminary, very learned man. He says, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Okay, <laughs> It's true, all right? As is the compliment. If she's happy, everybody's happy. When we quit trying to care for ourselves and trust God enough to let Him take care of us, things go better. So give your life away, guys, and leave the rest up to God. But I'm not sure that's where Paul is going here. He goes on to say, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of His body. Our wives are part of our bodies. We are part of Christ's body. He's talking about relationship. If you're a normal guy, relationships are a lot of work. <laughs> They're not natural for us. And maybe that's why Paul is saying so much about it here. Okay. So how do we love our wives as we love ourselves? Just as Christ does the church. Jesus Christ, the reason and object of our lives, will love us as he does himself. All we got to do is learn more about how Jesus loved the church and lived for it, and we'll know all we have to know to love and live for our wives. Well, of course, then there's the actual doing once we learn it. <laughs> But you start by learning that washing with the water of the Word thing. If we're going to make sure our wives get it, isn't it clear that we have to get it? Isn't it clear that's how we learn how Jesus gave His life for the church? Peter here uses the word flesh to mean body. He's about to quote from the account of God's creation of humanity. Now those believers knew their scripture well. They knew that Adam, they knew what Adam said when God presented his bride Eve to him, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. For an all too brief time, man perfectly got what God intended when he gave him a wife. And immediately after Adam finishes that statement, the scriptures say, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Paul quotes that directly from the Genesis account. When Moses first wrote it, when Paul repeated it, and right down today, it sounds backwards to us. The man leaves his father and mother. The man holds fast to his wife. Guys, we're in the midst of instructions to men. We need to leave stuff behind and pursue our wives. I'm preaching to myself here, but guys, we've got to get better at dating our wives. They shouldn't have to hold fast to us. That's supposed to be our job. And ladies, again, please don't beat your husbands over the head with this. Remember, this is instruction to the husband, not to the wife. The main point, though, is this. From the beginning, when humans were still perfect, 
God intended men to love their wives as themselves. And now, Paul makes the most enigmatic statement. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Wait a minute, we're not talking about marriage at all? (laughs) Yeah, we still are. Then what's he mean by Christ and the church? Maybe there's a hint in what Paul said earlier about the mystery of Christ. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The same body. Before Christ, no one knew that Gentiles would be a part of the church. And here we are, as Gentiles ourselves, partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the good news. It was a mystery before Christ. And now Paul says, here's another mystery. When I'm talking about marriage, I'm really talking about Christ and the church. Is it a long stretch to grasp that a good Christian marriage points to Christ and his love for the church? When we men love our wives as Christ loved the church, we show the world Jesus Christ. When we cling to our wives, when we pursue our wives, all this is a demonstration of Christ's love for the church. Ladies, when you, out of respect for Christ, submit to your husbands, those around you can get a picture of how the church submits to Jesus. We can show people how a relationship with Jesus looks by living our relationship to its full. That's why Paul ends like he does. This mystery is profound and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Husbands love, wives respect. It seems like everything in this world is set up to cause us men to not love our wives and our wives not to respect their husbands. And, in fact, it's true. Satan hates good marriages, but he was in you is greater than he was in the world. All we've studied today is about the church. All of it. Everything that we study is about the church. But it's also about our relationships with our spouses when we love and respect as if to him, our object, we show people Christ. He is the reason for our love. He is the object of our respect. But there's a whole other aspect to this. We who have uh, been around, (laughs) who have matured in the faith, must advise others when it comes to their spouses. Paul told Pastor Titus, older men are to be sober-minded and dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. We have a job to do here as well. Older women, 
train younger women. Older men urge younger men. So many people get to a certain age and they want to just quit. (laughs) No! You've forgotten more than those wet-behind-the-ears kids know, okay? (laughs) It's your job, scripturally, to teach them about marriage. That is your job. Sit down with them. Invite them to your house. Whatever it takes. But don't keep your mouth shut. You want me to repeat that one? Don't keep your mouth shut. I know, once again, it's like i got a big old mirror in front of me. <laughs> we got to speak to these younger people. I've got a seven-year-old granddaughter. She's old enough to reason with. It's our job to talk to our grandkids. That's for sure. And they really will listen to us. You might not think they do. They may, you might look like they're not listening. But trust me, every word you say is boring into their heads. And it will stay in their memories for the rest of their lives. Please don't give up this opportunity. Show them and tell them what true marriage is supposed to demonstrate. But my marriage can't possibly be used to show the love of Christ in His church. I really messed up. Join the crowd. Okay, we've all messed up. That doesn't make the truth something else. The truth is still the truth. And besides, they've messed up too. They know nobody's perfect. They know we're not perfect. But they're willing, even eager, to listen to us. We have a job to do. Let's do it. We can change the world for those around us. Let's do it because Jesus Christ gave His life for us. Because we are looking to Him as the object of our efforts. When we do our job... Jesus will do His. He will nourish us. He will cherish us. He will present us to the Father in splendor without spot or wrinkle. He will make us holy and without blemish. Why, during that tennis match, was that female commentator so angry? Because that man represented all the wrong done to her by all the men in her life easy. She hadn't seen a marriage that demonstrated the love of Christ for his church. That's for sure. Do we demonstrate the love of Christ for his church with our wives? Do we demonstrate the respect of the church for Christ with your husbands? Do you? (laughs) Do we teach others, urging them to live marriages the way it's supposed to be lived? We will if we remember always in all we do the reason for an object of our faith if we trust Jesus Christ and lay our lives at his feet where they belong. Father, Paul did get kind of practical here. (laughs) This is pretty direct. And it's for sure it's not easy. It's just hard for men to look 
at love first before any goals, before any that. It's just hard for us not to work, not to do something, but to love. And it's hard for a woman to submit to us husbands. <laughs> we know ourselves. I wonder why anybody would want to submit to us. But because you love us, because we submit to you, and because we want the world to understand that, we'd like to do our job. And many of us here are past husband, wife time, or we don't, you know, whatever it is. We're not young, but we are, in fact, with a little bit of wisdom, we know enough to talk to younger people and to explain to them what's right. Even if we didn't do it right, we know what right is. And we know the way it should be. Help us to teach and to urge the younger people to live the right way, to learn of you. Thank you, Father, for this difficult scripture. It is difficult. Sometimes it's hard to understand. This one's not. We can understand it just fine. It's in the doing. This is where the difficulty is. So now we ask that your spirit help us. We ask to give ourselves up and let your spirit instead control our lives so that we can live as you want us to. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.